probability that one or more team members may be infected by intruder organism. 75%. If intruder organism reaches civilized areas, entire world population infected 27,000 hours from first contact. Welcome back to the Thing Minute podcast, where we discuss John Carpenter's 1982 science fiction horror masterpiece, The Thing, one minute at a time. I'm Harper W. Harris from HarperWHarris.com, and joining me again today is Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com, CabinMinuteCast.com, and SpinalTapMinute.com. Awesome. Thanks so much for, uh, for being here this whole week. Yeah, it's been so awesome to join with you and just watch these minutes and talk film stuff. And it's definitely one of my top favorite movies of all time and scary movies and suspenseful movies. So it was a pleasure to uh, hang out with you for all these. Yeah, it's been great to have you on. So today we are talking about Minute 55 in particular of The Thing, which covers uh, the beginning of it is Blair kind of throwing off Mac after they uh, they kind of took him down in the last minute with the uh, with the old table, the old X and the table trick, and then uh, ends a minute <laughs> later with um, with a needle going into an arm. So uh, so yeah, we ended last minute with um, with Mac and Gary and Norris kind of rushing Blair with that table and, and getting that axe in there. And then uh, we begin here, which I never really noticed how kind of absurd some of this is that uh, Blair is like superhuman here at the beginning of this minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. He definitely is. The fact that this older older guy, uh, Wilford Brimley, is throws off McCready and then Gary like they're nothing. Like one at a time, he like you know he pushes McCready off with the table and then Gary goes after him and he like throws Gary away like it's like he's nothing, like he's a little kid or something. I never really noticed how kind of crazy that actually is when you sit back and look at it. And it makes me wonder if that's supposed to uh, supposed to give us any kind of hint that Blair maybe is uh, is is literally superhuman, that maybe there is uh, maybe he's been infected for sure at this point. And, you know, the thing is giving him some extra strength to take these guys down. Yeah, that's definitely what came to mind, too. Just rewatching it was just what you just said. Yeah, and it's pretty wild. He He fights these guys off and then tries to hit another one, another one with a chair and, you know, breaks another window. And it's like, I have to wonder, they, they must have had to make sure they were a hundred percent done filming any other scenes in this room because Wilford Brimley has 100% trashed the place. It's <laughs> <Just> like no <laughs> way they could put it back together and, and film it in, in, uh, in any shape or form at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we see the, the last bits of that. And then um, we do get some, some great sound design Foley of, uh, of, McCready punching Wilford Brimley once they finally got him, uh, finally got him down. Some really kind of overwrought punching sounds that I never really noticed before that are very kind of kung fu movie a little bit. Um, yeah, very like like you could see somebody in a room making that noise with 
you know, hitting some raw steak or, you know, whatever you use to make those nice snappy sounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's definitely kind of an old, old fashioned, uh, more old school style, uh, punching sound effect than you'd hear in a movie nowadays. So it does kind of stand out a little bit, but I, uh, I kind of love it. It definitely works in the context of the scene that, that has been a little, a little ridiculous in the se- in the direct center of this movie that is very suspenseful and, thoughtful and uh and and at times very intense we do get this uh this kind of wacky scene of this older guy you know going nuts with an axe so i think it kind of fits <laughs> for sure so then uh we do get before we leave the radio room we get one more shot of windows with his uh with his little bloody forehead doing some kind of uh again to me it seems a little uh a little over the top his kind of uh i don't even know what you call it his reaction when he's kind of like sort of tries to stand up and then sort of just it's almost like he's pretending like he passes out or or maybe even like john carpenter is like just pretend like you died right there like he just sort of falls down and rolls his eyes back a little bit yeah well what's interesting to me about this minute so this is to me was you know i was assigned my five minutes and i got (laughs) to watch them this was the one that i saw the most in and one of them was him doing that that's why you know i mentioned earlier like did he get shot because there's blood on him and you can't really tell why you know maybe if he had gotten i mean you don't see him like gripping a wound or anything during this but kind of made me wonder if you know he's doing this sort of yeah like passing out thing and it does look a bit comical because i think because he closes his eyes for a second as he hits the wall and then he opens them and they roll up a bit you know so that's yeah. definitely a, a boing kind of a, you know like like you could almost see the birds chirping around the top of his head yeah know, like totally cartoon but then right after that you you go back to everybody around gathered around wilford and then the other guy, one of the other nondescript to me bearded guys, <laughs> falls back out of screen. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I didn't notice that until I was watching it on loop while we're recording. And just how weird that is. It's it's Fuchs. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's like as they're leaning over Blair, who's just been knocked unconscious, I guess, by uh, McCready's punching him. Um, he just sort of, yeah, it is like he just sort of falls back out of frame and it's really awkward looking. Like, I don't know exactly what he's supposed to be doing there. Yeah, because he'd have to, he's lifting himself up uh, off of, let's say, probably one knee and using someone else's back as leverage, you know, like if you're kind of, oh, I need a little help here to get up mm-hmm. and then falls backwards. So you're right. It's very awkward and strange. So I thought that combination of him and uh windows doing that within seconds of themselves <laughs> made me think like almost like was something released into the air that <laughs> took that you know yeah it, that's a good i mean it does it looks kind of cartoonish and yeah it does it seems like why would that be left in if it didn't mean something but it, it, the thing with Fuchs almost looks like it's like if the camera zoomed out just slightly, you could maybe see him standing up like like he fell backwards just so he could get away from the crowd and then stood up. But because the way the frames cut off, it does look like he just it's almost like he tries to start getting up and then just falls like maybe he fell backwards by accident and then 
was quiet enough that they were able to continue the scene. I don't know. It's very strange know. looking. So I would say for for folks who are, you know, maybe obsessively watching this like we are at home, like mm-hmm. I invite them <laughs> to look at minute 55 and, you know, maybe even, you know, tweet at you or or send in what they think because his hands these are the kind of details that I think are so trippy whether we ever find out or mm-hmm. not <laughs> when he falls back his hands are over his head yeah you're right so that would be just falling back and maybe even hitting your head on so <laughs> yeah, i mean what is he doing <laughs> he's not he's not going to stand up from that position i guess is what i was saying no, not to you're right not to you know go against what you said but just just out of curiosity i wonder what anybody might think or if anybody noticed this before what what their thoughts would be on this little strange it's very strange it really is and i i never noticed until even even you know right up until we hit record i didn't notice but yeah watching it on loop while we talk it definitely stands out as being something that's very bizarre so yes listeners please as you're uh, after you listen to this episode please let us know your theories uh, hashtag Fuchs fall. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> now I'm dying to know what the deal Fuchs. is. It's uh, Fuchs is F-U-C-H-S. Okay. Fuchs so, fall. yes, I'm dying to know what other people think because now I'm, I'm really curious because that is extremely weird. And I, I have no idea in context or in, in out of context in the, in, you know, and just thinking about what they were doing while they were shooting this. I, in either way, I can't figure out why that would happen, what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, it's real weird. <laughs> so I think I know the name. I think I know what the uh, name of this episode is going to be at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, after we get that that pair of really strange uh, little moments, we do um, we get kind of a, a pensive cutaway to Clark uh, Clark seeing the the poor dog that Blair has uh, Blair has killed with yet another axe. So I guess he had a couple sitting around. He pulled another one out of his pocket. But yeah, so we see Clark really kind of either furious or upset. I'm, you know, it's not real clear what his what his feelings are, except that he's very shaken up by the fact that he's he's found all the dogs. Maybe he's uh, he, maybe he's just worried that he's out of a job now, being the dog handler. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely, it's one of those moments that doesn't really necessarily add anything to the plot or um or anything like that but it definitely gives us a sense of of his character a little bit just a quiet moment where you see how how broken up he is about it and you know up to this point and and even later in the movie too there's a lot of suspicion cast on clark about whether he's he's the thing or not um given that he spent so much time with the the uh the imitation dog at the beginning but this this scene seems to me to to be the only bit of evidence up to this point that he is definitely not that he's very human that he's one of the few people that's really upset by what's going on um so i thought that was kind of an interesting little touch yeah and i guess if you know we're getting more and more paranoid as the minutes go on it would be easy to think of all sorts of things because like we talked about before we don't really know when at this point our examples as viewers are that we don't know what it what the assimilation means. Does, mm-hmm. does the person act completely identical, you know, or are they just quiet and unassuming so you don't notice or, or you know, how how good does this the thing assimilate? So if it assimilates really well, then maybe it's going to check on other things that were 
within the dogs or something, you know, like it could be like, where am I at right now? You know, like if, if, if he has the thing in him, he could be kind of checking on the status of its its compatriots, so to speak. Yeah, that's true. You don't know. But yeah, I, I mean, it looks like a sincere person who had a close connection to the dogs and is not happy about where things have gone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely what it looks like on the surface, but you're right. I think, you know, in the, the, the paranoid atmosphere of this movie, you can definitely kind of twist anything like that into, uh, into evidence for either side, (laughs) which is kind of, kind of interesting and fun to do watching this movie. But yeah, you could, you could certainly say that maybe he's upset that these are, that's three less animals that, uh, him as the thing is going to get to, uh, imitate. (laughs) So, uh, the, the last part of this minute we get, uh, we get, uh, I think it's Copper and McCready, and I'm not sure who the other guy is because he's like completely covered up. It uh, may be Childs helping carry Blair out to the uh, the tool shed to lock him up where he can't hurt anybody else. And um, this is a, I think you called it the Warlock Watch earlier this week. <laughs> uh, so once again, we've got another kind of, uh, cameo by Dick Warlock, the uh, stunt coordinator, as Blair because. Uh, Wilford Brimley was not involved in any of the shooting actually on location up in British Columbia. He was only on set on the set in LA. So uh, anytime they needed him outdoors, like for this shot, they just covered up uh, Dick Warlock from head to toe with winter gear and then carried him around out there. So once again, this is our, our old pal Dick Warlock making an appearance. <laughs> well, he did an excellent job. <laughs> oh, yes. I totally bought that he was an unconscious, semi unconscious player. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Yeah, so they're carrying him up, and they're uh, two other guys who, again, it's kind of hard to tell who they are just because of the what they're wearing. But two of the other guys are boarding up the windows in the tool shed uh, because uh, Copper suggests putting Blair up in Mac's shack. And I'm a little surprised that uh, Mac doesn't have a, a stronger reaction to that. Like, are you serious? Like, put him in my room? Like, no. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, that seems like where uh, an f bomb might land. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, not a good idea, Copper. I don't. I don't think that's going to fly with uh, with Max. So, so yeah, Mac is like, no, I think we'll keep him in the tool shed. <laughs> so yeah, they're uh, they're boarding up the tool shed, uh, I guess, to um, to keep Blair from getting out. So it's it's not real clear to me. I guess they don't think that Blair's been taken over because otherwise they might just you know torch him. But maybe maybe they're suspicious that he might have been taken over. But either way, he's too dangerous to be you know to to leave him sitting around the camp. So they just lock him away and try and forget about him which uh, obviously towards the end of the movie ends up being uh, one of the biggest mistakes they make in the movie. So um, it's a, a key plot point here for Blair. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it, I, like, I like this kind of panning shot, letting, walking them out there. It's very kind of uh, like, all right, let's just get rid of him. We're, we're done with Blair. <laughs> like that, that last scene was, was enough for all of us, I think. Yeah, and these little wooden pallet pieces are kind of interesting too because they don't really look like they'd keep anybody in anymore you know than whatever's in the like that wood doesn't look too sturdy or like it's (laughs) much of a deterrent especially given how how easily blair was able to just throw off like two two adult men no problem like he could probably bust through these little i guess that's all the wood they could find lying around (laughs) Yeah. yeah it does look kind of flimsy now that you say that and then, uh, yeah, we, we end the minute with um, yet another very uh, close-up shot of somebody getting a, um, getting a shot in the arm, which is um, 
one of the things that uh, John Carpenter mentions in the commentary that of all the, the crazy, gory, scary stuff that happens in this movie, it's these shots of, of guys getting uh, getting blood drawn and getting shots and, and cutting their fingers open to, to leave blood for the blood test. Those are the shots that really unnerved a lot of a lot of viewers um, that left mm. even the most hardened horror fans kind of, you know, sent a shudder down their spine, which uh, I, I'm not much of a, a needle file, you know, myself. It, it's not something that really freaks me out, but I can certainly understand the uh, the fear of that and why that would bother you. And, and it's it's definitely something Carpenter's doing on purpose. Like there's no, there's no real reason to show that needle in like extreme close up, other than to just kind of, you know, add another little bit to, uh, to put you on edge, I guess. Yeah. That kind of, it doesn't really bother me either, but I think of like, um, in the cabin in the woods, all sorts of gory things happen, but it's the, the harbinger who has a mouthful of the chaw and is like has like a real sloppy mouth and is kind of spitting the spitting the, the chew out of his mouth that grosses me out more than <laughs> anything else in that whole movie. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I could totally see that. I could totally understand that. Yeah, the uh the cutting the cutting the fingers open later in this movie bothers me a lot more than the needles do. But uh my wife is a major medical uh, files she, hospitals freak her out so i could i mm. totally totally get the uh get why that bothers why that would bother some people and i like i like that that's kind of a um, a natural way for carpenter to build some kind of unease without you know doing anything kind of supernatural or creepy in the background it's it's something that fits within the scene but um but definitely adds a sense of uh you know yuckiness to it i guess that you know yeah works for the movie so that's I think that's kind of all I had for for this minute in general. But um, anything you wanted to mention about this minute before uh, we kind of start to wrap up the week? No, I don't think so. I just I'm really curious to hear what other ideas people come up with for why that the the falling happens. Hashtag Even with both of the guys, you know. How- <laughs> <laughs> um it looks like it has a potential you know to be um uh a gif or something you yes. know but <laughs> it's got gif potential at, at the very yeah, least that, i want to see some benny hill set to uh set to totally, those <laughs> <laughs> totally. get on that internet <laughs> one, one thing that we haven't actually talked about we talked about your first um first time seeing the thing or early memories of seeing the movie but uh i didn't get a chance to ask are you a big fan of John Carpenter in general? Like, do you have uh, other other of his uh, movies that you're a big fan of? I think so. I am a big fan, but I would say The Thing is my favorite of all of his movies. And I've had, this is nothing to do with that, but I also I've had a couple of friends that have gone to see him recently as he's gone around touring, yeah. um, doing his uh musical performances and mm-hmm. they've said how amazing it was. So that that's cool. But um, yeah, when I look at his filmography, I think, oh yeah, I love this guy, but this is the movie for me out of all of them. Some of them I've watched, liked it. It was good, but it just didn't really stick with, you know, they didn't stick for multiple viewings. This is my, probably in my top, I, I don't, I wouldn't say I know what my top five, you know, kind of scary suspense movies are, but I know mm-hmm. this is one of them, you know, and, and it's definitely something that I'm into. But, um, yeah, yeah, I think that's 
generally a fan, but this is the one for me. This is the magic one for me. Yeah, that's that's kind of funny because, you know, I, I've had kind of a similar experience with it, I guess, where that, you know, this was maybe the first John Carpenter movie I saw. I'm not I'm not 100% sure about that, but this was a movie that, like, the first time I saw it, it skyrocketed up my list of, like, all-time favorite movies. Like, immediately I knew it was a movie I was going to, you know, rewatch and, and all that. But I didn't really realize until you know, maybe a year or two ago that, I, that I'm a huge fan of Carpenter and just never really put the pieces together that, you know, over the years I've seen lots of his other movies and, and really enjoyed them, but I didn't really, you know, think about it until not that long ago that I was like, wow, you know, he's probably might be one of my favorite filmmakers. Like, I, I've, <laughs> you know, if I start putting together my list of, of, you know, mo- you know, none of his other movies make it into probably my, you know, top 10 movies of all time or anything like that. But, you know, movies like, Halloween and Big Trouble in Little China and Prince of Darkness. Like those are all movies that I, I really, really enjoy and, and can rewatch anytime. So yeah, certainly one of my, one of my favorites, but, but like you, uh, the thing is head and shoulders above the rest. And, and that it's, it's certainly, I think it's the best thing he did. And it's and certainly one of my favorite movies. So yeah, I feel, feel the same way. Well, yeah, I guess uh, we've, we've reached the end of the week here. So uh, any, any last cracks of the bat or anything you wanted to just say about, about the movie in general before we, before we wrap up? Um, not that I can think of, just that I'm enjoy- really enjoying you know, the episodes that you have put out so far. And I really liked your teaser app. And um, I'm loving the way that you're um, approaching this. And so you know, if people that are listening have listened to some of the other um, movies by minutes podcasts or other just, you know, movie film related podcasts. Everybody kind of has their own spin and, and yours is one of my favorite spins. So, you know, thanks for being the person who decided to tackle one of my favorite movies. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. And, and I, you were one of the, the earliest people to really kind of support the show when I first kind of announced it. So I, I definitely appreciate that as well. And, um, yeah, it's it's been a fun adventure so far. We'll we'll see how I feel about it as we get towards the end of the movie. <laughs> if I, I'm still as enthusiastic about it as I am now, but yeah, at the at the time of this recording, I'm having an awesome time doing it, and and uh, yeah, and it's it's been great to join the uh, movies by minutes family with them. There's everybody who's involved with making these podcasts is like enormously helpful, and you know, unanimously. Uh, or, or universally, I should say, awesome people that have been super helpful to me to get started. And and just as a community, it's a great place to be. So, uh, you know, if, if this is, I, I'm, I'm guessing that most for most people, this is not your first Movies by Minutes podcast. So, uh, but if, if it's not, or if this is your first one, definitely check out, um, check out all these other, all the other shows that are out there and and consider starting your own. It's definitely a growing family. And it's, it's, I can say that it's a challenge to put together a podcast like this at times. There's, there's definitely some, uh, some work involved, but it's a really, really fun thing to do. So, you know, if you have a movie that, uh, you know, that you're kind of obsessive about, or that you really want to learn more about, then, you know, it's a great way to do that for sure. Yeah. I, I agree with everything you said and, and, definitely feel like once you get going, it's sort of addictive and you have a whole built-in community of very supportive, very fun, funny, lighthearted people. You know, it's definitely a community I really enjoy being a part of. So I encourage it. And yeah, just a lot of, a lot of different takes and things too. And then there's another podcast I like to recommend just because it's one of my favorites and it's not a movies by minutes one, but it's a, one that people who are interested in the thing might be interested in. Mm -hmm. And it's called um, Pure Cinema. 
and it's two friends who they uh, I would just say ch- check out Pure Cinema and see if it's it's into you. But they'll go a couple of hours just talking about uh, maybe a certain genre um, and make recommendations and pairings and things like that. So they'll take t- their top five favorite in a certain genre and then suggest five pairings with those. And so they really get in deep, but in a really fun um, just big fan kind of a way. And it's turned me on to a lot of um, different things. So they've done a, you know, a Tarantino episode, a, a noir, a neo-noir, um, a 90, I think a 80s movies, 90s movies. You know, they're just always, they'll pick a genre and then just go go nuts with it. And they're very active on uh, Twitter too and have a lot of recommendations and a big community. So that I always like to... Awesome. Yeah, I think you'd really, really like them. So they're um, pure cinema. Yeah, that sounds really cool. I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Y- years ago, when I long before I was on any podcast or anything, I, my first idea for a podcast was to do a, a a different top ten list of different things, like different movie, different movie genres, and things like that. So uh, that sounds right up my alley. I'm surprised I haven't heard of those guys. So I will definitely add that to the ever growing list of podcasts I need to somehow fit into my life. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the struggle yeah. is real. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I work for myself. And so when I first started working for myself um, and working from home, I had a lot a lot more hours by myself as I was developing my um, coaching business. And I coach multi-creative people. So I coach people who do a lot of different things. You know, they're mm-hmm. a musician and a podcaster and an artist or, you know, they're a gallery owner and a fine artist. And, uh, you know, it's this combination of this and this and this and this. And it's a really fun thing to be, but can also be really frustrating and isolating because you're always kind of pivoting each day on what projects you work on. And so finding podcasts really helped me kind of have like a a community of people that I was listening to and then eventually being a part of um, working for myself. But once those hours started getting eaten up by, you know, coaching more clients and doing group coaching and then becoming a podcaster, now I am definitely <laughs> getting behind on the stuff I'm able to listen to. But, but hey, we've got hours ahead of us for our road trips or, you know, right. homesick <laughs> days and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you got to kind of build up a bank. I, as a as a full time freelancer and, and podcaster myself, I can a hundred percent relate. Uh, that I've, I have the same same experience. I've, I just recently started uh, freelancing full time, so I uh, I definitely had a little bit more time uh, at the beginning where I had some some empty space to fill, and that's getting less and less. So <laughs> I totally <laughs> understand. Well, yeah. So uh, since it's the uh, last day of the week, you want to throw out um, where everybody can find you one last time. Yeah, sure. So so my official occupation is certified professional coach for successful multi-creatives. So I love coaching people over the phone and do kind of group coaching and almost like book clubs and things like that with with um, people who do all sorts of creative stuff. So I do things locally here in um, the East Bay of California, Oakland and Alameda, Sacramento, but also over the phone. And I have, um, you know, clients all over the place and one in Canada right now, which is pretty cool. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, if you're interested in what that means or just what I'm up to, 
um, around coaching and sharing tips on how to, you know, be a happy, creative weirdo <laughs> like um, like we are, then you can go to HeidiBennett.com. That's H-E-I-D-I-B-E-N-N-E-T-T.com. And then for my old classic Movies by Minutes podcast, that's at SpinalTapMinute.com. And we... I think we have found a lot of uh, really fun people to be guests on that. So it's definitely a lot more of a comedy, jokey, fun, goofy podcast. And then um, by the time this airs, uh, let's see. Do you know when around when this will air? Uh, this, I believe, will be either right at the end of September or beginning of October. Okay. So we're we're planning on launching Cabin Minutecast in the beginning of October. So you'll be able to find us at find us at cabinminutecast.com and then also on Twitter and Instagram at cabinminutecast. So that's upcoming with my new co-host, Molly Balin, and she's a friend of mine I actually met through coaching, and she was another like creative coach person. So we've uh, stayed in touch all these years, and now we're going to do this this podcast together, and I'm really excited about it. So come join us if you're interested in something around the, the cabin in the woods. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And yeah, I just checked, and this, this will be actually somewhere towards the middle of October. So by the time you're hearing this, Cabin Minute cast will be out. So you definitely check that out. I, that's one I'm definitely really looking forward to. That's a movie that is begging to be uh, to be dissected in this way. So I'm super excited about it for sure. Yeah, me too. There's so much stuff in every single minute. So and then so many references to other other films and other genres. And yeah, it's going to be fun. So uh, yeah, we'll definitely, you know, always let people know when our different guests are on and we, we plan on having you on. So Yes, that would be, be awesome. I'd be very Good excited stuff. about that. <laughs> awesome. So thanks again so much for being on this whole week. It's been a blast talking about uh, you know, some uh, from some going from some very subtle sound design and some some crazy conspiracy theories to to Wilford Brimley wrecking up the place and going nuts. Uh, <laughs> it's been a good week. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, really fun. Really fun. Awesome. So uh, I think that'll wrap it up for this minute and the week. But uh, if you like the show and you want to support us, there's a couple ways you can do that. Uh, the easiest thing you can do is to go to thethingminute.com slash Amazon, and that'll take you to Amazon's homepage. But anything you buy after you've uh, gone to the website that way will uh, we'll get a small percentage of whatever you buy at no extra cost to yourself. So it's an easy way to um, support the podcast by just doing kind of what you normally would anyways. If you want to go about it a different way, you can also just donate directly by using the donate button that's at the bottom of the website at thethingminute.com. Every little bit helps. Um, as you know, if any listeners are also podcasters, you know that unfortunately, while it's it's free for the listeners, and it's uh, you know that's one of the best things about podcasts, and uh, it's not free for us who put it together. Unfortunately, um, it's, so any any bit you can donate is uh, is definitely much appreciated and, and makes a big difference. So we appreciate that support. But anyways, I hope everybody has a fantastic weekend. And if you're still not assimilated by Monday, make sure you come back for another episode of The Thing Minute. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to thethingminute.com. There you'll find the show notes with links to anything we talked about on this episode and lots of other resources on The Thing. You can also find us on Twitter at The Thing Minute and on Facebook at facebook.com slash thethingminute. But most importantly, subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. 
Check out other podcasts like this at moviesbyminutes.com and be sure to head over to starwarsminute.com to listen to the team that started it all. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Harper signing out.